You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, president of the American College of Cardiology. Among patients with heart failure, how common are anemia and iron deficiency? Can iron supplementation improve symptoms and quality of life for patients with heart failure? Would iron supplementation help patients who aren't anemic with heart failure? Our guest today is Dr. William Deck, Chief of the Cardiology Division, Co-Director of the Massachusetts General Hospital Heart Center, and the Roman W. DeSanctis Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. Welcome, Dr. Deck. Thank you very much. Let's start with an overview of the problem of anemia in patients with heart failure. Maybe you can review a little bit of the concepts we have in terms of managing patients with heart failure relative to their hemoglobin levels. Well, I think over the past five or six years, it's become evident to clinicians that anemia has a higher prevalence than perhaps we thought, ranging from about 10% among patients with mild heart failure symptoms to what's been reported over 40% of patients with advanced heart failure. Curiously, prevalence of anemia is similar between patients with systolic and diastolic heart failure, and it's well known that anemia correlates with adverse prognosis, specifically increased mortality and higher rates of hospitalization for heart failure. If you look at the typical heart failure patient that has anemia, the patient is likely to be older, to have diabetes mellitus, to have chronic renal dysfunction, and in general to have more advanced heart failure symptoms. Now, do we have information that getting the hemoglobin up to some near normal level or correcting the anemia improves the outcome in patients with heart failure? Well, that's the topic of a number of active clinical trials that are going on. We know that patients who are anemic have a worse prognosis. We have several different ways of correcting anemia, ranging from iron replacement to transfusions to the use of erythropoietin-stimulating compounds. The data on improving anemia, I would say, remains somewhat controversial. The focus of early studies was on using erythropoietin to correct anemia, and small studies suggested that, in fact, ejection fraction improved, peak oxygen uptake improved, and patient symptoms improved. Unfortunately, more recent studies using darbopoietin have not been able to confirm all of those things, with some studies being positive and some studies being negative, showing that there really wasn't a substantial improvement in these metrics. There's no study that I'm aware of that's actually looked at correcting anemia and showing improvement in mortality, which is certainly an important endpoint. More recently, the focus has been not going through expensive treatments like erythropoietin, but rather looking at more straightforward treatment like correcting iron deficiency anemia using intravenous iron. And that's the subject of FAIR study that was recently presented. The FAIR HF trial was presented just this past November, and it did generate some interest in the fact that although we've tried to correct anemia, that study pointed out the fact that we ought to be looking at iron stores and trying to correct them as well. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that trial. The FAIR HF was a very intriguing study, and you've outlined one of the very important points that's come out of that, which may change our thinking about the evaluation and treatment of the heart failure patient in the near term. The FAIR heart failure trial was a randomized multi-center 
international study that compared an intravenous iron infusion on symptoms and submaximal exercise capacity to a placebo infusion. The patients that were studied were over 450, so it's the largest study of anemia treatment in heart failure, and it focused on a somewhat different population than we've seen in other studies, which is the mild to moderate heart failure patient, so the class 2 or 3 heart failure patient. The trial took individuals that were either anemic or just iron deficient without anemia. And interestingly, the split was 50-50. So half of the patients that were in the study, in fact, were not anemic, but were iron deficient. And they were randomized to, to correct the iron deficiency and then be on a maintenance infusion of iron or placebo up to 24 weeks. The primary endpoint of this study was self-reported patient global assessment and New York functional class at week 24. But other important endpoints, and perhaps the most important secondary endpoint, was six-minute walk test. And what the investigators found is that in a population that was largely class 3, with a mean ejection fraction of 32%, that patients who received intravenous iron and corrected their iron deficiency had a substantially greater likelihood of having much or moderate improvement in symptoms compared to those that received placebo. And in fact, the percentage was 50% in the treated group versus 28%, which was highly significant. Confirming that, in my mind, was the fact that the six-minute walk test showed a substantial improvement only in the patients that received the iron therapy and not in the placebo. And the last observation from this study was that there was a non-significant trend towards fewer hospitalizations for cardiovascular causes. In fact, the risk reduction was 47%, but because the number of events was relatively small, it did not quite reach statistical significance. So that's intriguing as well. I think you point out an important concept in in heart failure therapy. One is improving mortality, but the other is improving quality of life because both of these things are very important for the patient to understand from their therapy. And it sounds to me like we're at least seeing some improvements in quality of life by improving the iron stores and the hemoglobin for these patients. Yes, I would certainly agree that although a lot of the heart failure trials up to this point have focused on heart endpoints, particularly mortality, for the heart failure patient that we all take care of, particularly the class 3 patient with moderately severe symptoms, they often would trade a few more months of survival in some cases for a much for improved quality of life and staying out of the hospital. So I think that we are seeing these other endpoints assume prominence as we look at some of these new therapies. The other point that you raised, which I think is certainly changing my thinking about how I should evaluate a heart failure patient, is looking for anemia is only half of the real evaluation that we should be doing because if this therapy is validated, we should be looking for iron deficiency in our heart failure patients. And those patients that have iron deficiency, again, if these fair heart failure data are confirmed in other studies, they may well benefit from iron supplementation even if they're not anemic. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Alfred Beauvais. Our guest is Dr. William Deck, Chief of the Cardiology Division, Co-Director of the Massachusetts General Hospital Heart Center, and the Roman W. DeSanctis Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. We are discussing targeting anemia and iron deficiency in patients with heart failure. Is this the kind of situation where we can just tell the patient to go to the pharmacy and buy some uh, oral iron tablets? This was an intravenous iron 
study. And I know from, let's say, the old days that intravenous iron was always sort of something we looked at as a concern because of some complications. So how would you approach the therapy? It looks like the study was intravenous. Is that the best way to use iron therapy? Well, your point is is certainly a very valid one. And and right now, all we can say is that based on the FAIR heart failure trial and the two other studies, randomized studies that were published a few years ago, the only treatment that's been looked at is intravenous iron. We obviously would hope that oral iron supplementation would be effective because it certainly would be a lot less expensive and potentially have fewer side effects. But one of the issues that comes up is whether iron will be well absorbed in the heart failure patient, particularly if he or she has malnutrition or right-sided heart failure with bowel edema. So the idea of going with intravenous iron was to make sure that the iron was delivered and the deficiency was corrected in a short period of time. So we need additional studies looking at a more regular formulation. Were there any complications or adverse effects of the intravenous iron in the FAIR HF trial? As reported by the investigators, the number of patients that had to have the iron infusion stopped was quite small. I believe it was less than 2%, and it was not different than the placebo. They were very careful about trying to blind the patient and the care providers about the treatment because intravenous iron looks quite dark in the IV bag, and obviously the saline is clear. So they actually tried to cover up and blind the investigators and the patients from what they received. They did not report any anaphylaxis. They did not report any life-threatening complications, but the number of patients that had to stop treatment was relatively low because of side effects. If you look at dropouts, one of the weaknesses of this study, which was a bit of a surprise to me since it was a relatively short-term study, only 24 weeks, is that almost 9% of the patients that received the active treatment did not reach the 24-week endpoint. They stopped the study versus 13% for the placebo. So the good news is that the iron group was not dropping out at a higher rate, but still for a relatively short-term study with mild to moderate heart failure patients, that is a bit surprising that more patients didn't finish the study. It's an intriguing concept. I mean, we think that oxygen carrying capacity of the blood, the hemoglobin, is where we need to be paying our attention for a patient with heart failure. But yet, the implications here are that there are some other places in the body where iron may be important. I wonder if you could say a few words about, you know, the alternatives for oxidative metabolism and so on for iron besides just keeping the hemoglobin at a normal level. That's an intriguing question, and I'm not a biochemist by training, but I, I do know that if you look at skeletal muscle function, particularly in female athletes that are not anemic, it's been previously reported that the presence of iron deficiency does impair skeletal muscle function in terms of overall strength and force of contraction. There's also data from animal models that suggest that iron deficiency has negative effects on cardiomyocyte function, again, independent of oxygen carrying. So there seems, in terms of the underlying cellular and biochemical mechanisms, iron is crucial for contractile function in both skeletal and cardiac muscle, and presumably if you're iron deficient, both of those muscles are not going to function as well as they should. And I think there's still more knowledge to be gained in that area. Uh, As I said, our concept is we get the hemoglobin up to a certain level and everything's fine, but we need to be going further than that. And this is a good and important addition of screening for patients with heart failure. 
Yeah, and I, you know, it adds to the repertoire of things that we should be looking at now in addition to following renal function and looking at serum sodium and looking at other electrolytes and looking at BMP. When appropriate, we've now got another potential biomarker that we should be looking at from a prognostic and therapeutic point of view. I think the other thing that's interesting to me is that as a heart failure specialist like you are, you know, we've kind of been stymied in terms of therapeutic, new therapeutic approaches to the heart failure population over the last decade or so. Really since beta blockers and angiotensin receptor blockers, most of the focus on symptomatic patients has been looking at device-based therapy. There haven't been any new real breakthroughs in terms of pharmacology in a number of years. And I think that, you know, this may be another avenue to refocus this sort of getting beyond the neurohormonal hypothesis and looking at other potential targets for new treatment. That's a very important point. The other interesting thing, of course, is we've been very interested in cardiac rehabilitation in patients with heart failure, and it, it seems to me that if we ignore the iron levels, we might not be getting the optimal effects of a cardiac exercise program in these folks as well. I think that point is a very valid one, and certainly we know in athletes who are training, iron deficiency impairs performance, and it's certainly not hard to imagine that a patient that's already starting out disadvantaged with impaired cardiac output and high systemic vascular resistance, you add iron deficiency that, again, adds yet another impediment to adequate muscle training. The other thing I wanted to mention is we've gotten an indication from some other trials, particularly with the EPIGEN trials, that there's an optimal hemoglobin, and getting too high is not good as well. I wonder if you want to say something about that. Yes, I think that that certainly seems to be true for correcting anemia in a lot of settings, doesn't it? I mean, same for post-operative patients, that you can't overdo it. We certainly don't know what the optimum hemoglobin is. The interesting thing about the iron replacement studies is the amount of improvement in hemoglobin in the anemic patients has only been about a, a milligram per deciliter. So patients would go from, let's say, 12 to 13 or 11 to 12, but they would not overshoot so that none of the iron replacement studies has shown that you have overcorrected the hemoglobin, which I think is very important. Also, 50% of patients in the FAIR heart failure trial that were not anemic but were iron deficient they did not increase their hemoglobin at all, so that there was no overshoot. So it appears that even if you're not anemic and are iron deficient, that concern that you just raised about perhaps overshooting with the hemoglobin does not appear to be a concern like it was in some of the erythropoietin studies. Thank you. We've been talking with Dr. William Deck about targeting anemia and iron deficiency in patients with heart failure. Dr. Deck, I want to thank you for being our guest. It was my great pleasure. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast to this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.